0: Another week of NFL action in the books. It's Tuesday night. It's time to break it all down. This is the Full Ten Yards NFL Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here.
0: Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation.
2: Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Hey, this is Jerry Judy, wide right receiver for the Denver Broncos. And you're listening to the Fourteen Yard NFL Podcast.
0: Yes, week three in the books. Let's break it all down. Let's welcome the boys straight into the huddle. Steve, good evening, my friend. How are you doing?
1: It's going to be a long year. (laughs) It's going to be a long year. I am fresh off watching Monday Night Football and getting a total of three hours, 13 sleep. And uh, after watching that absolute pasting, my only thoughts are it is going to be a long year.
2: Oh, poor Steve.
1: You, can you
0: remember back, Josh, two weeks ago to all that week one optimism after blowing out the Falcons? It's took two weeks and look at look at where the man's got to.
2: Yeah, Jalen Hurts oh, lifting the Lombardi to Jalen Hurts on the trading block. It's, it's uh, all taken gone. two weeks. It's all gone. Oh, poor Steve. We've been there, mate. We've been there. It's all gone. Oh good. yeah.
1: I know I'm not getting no sympathy from you guys.
2: No, no, there's sympathy. Not, there's not sympathy. There's just, not, uh, there's just not that much support. Mm. <laughs> Josh, welcome in, buddy. How are you doing? Mate, I am on cloud nine at the moment. Three days of sport, five wins for my teams, and two championship trophies. I can't get a weekend better than that. I, in fact, it's actually a little gutting because I feel like I've reached the peak. I feel like I can't get better than this from a sporting perspective. So, uh, yeah, unlike uh, unlike Steve, I am on the complete opposite level, mate. It has been a whirlwind of a weekend. How was yours? Yeah, pretty
0: good, mate. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, with you on the Villa victory. Never been at Man United, so I was chuffed with that. Brown's got a win. Grand Prix was excellent, Ryder Cup was disappointing, boxing was disappointing, but I mean, what what a weekend of sport, what a weekend of sport, and we're here to talk, of course, about the sport of American football, let's get into it, NFL, let's start Sunday evening, two cracky games on Sky, Kieran's already broken them down on Monday morning, but we'll give you our take on them as well, now let's start, boys, with the big one, I suppose, Tampa at LA, um, we said that they would be difficult to choose between them. I think we said if the Rams could keep Tampa below about 25 points, they may well be been with a chance of winning the game, and they limited them to 24. Steve, really impressive performance from the Rams here. I mean, if there was any doubt before, surely people have got to be standing up now and realising these are genuine powerhouses in that NFC.
1: This was the Rams, like... Statement performance. This was the the the, the uh, fixture they had on the on the calendar that you think right. This is if if they are a serious team this year with Matt Stafford under centre, this is the game where they've got to make that statement. And boy did they. I I picked them to win. I thought that they would win. Um, I think it's just it's just surprising how good McVeigh and Stafford are already like you know they've got this early chemistry already and he's just slotted in easily and he's like Goff 2.0 he can do everything that Goff did and much much more like you know the the touchdown to Deshaun Jackson was wonderful Deshaun Jackson rolling back the years uh, which is just great to see that is is his ninth career touchdown reception of 75 yards or more Um, That ties him uh, for the most 75-plus-yard touchdowns of all time. You know, the guy is 34, and he can still reach those speeds. It was insane to see. So he's still a deep threat, and it might only happen once or twice a season, but, boy, does it look good when it does. So, yeah, it was a real statement win from... Uh, from LA. Stafford put up really good stats, 27 for 38, 343 yards, um, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Only sacked once as well, so his line did a really good job as well of keeping up. Um, this, For me, the Rams are the best team in the NFL at the moment. Like, I, I think they've beaten the best. We talked last week in the power rankings, Like you know, you can't really uh, take the books off the top until someone beats them. The Rams have beaten them. And at the moment, I don't see any other team better than the Rams. don't know what you guys think.
0: I'll throw it over to the power rankings man himself. I think. I mean, we, we should. We'll, I was we'll, going to we'll,
2: save we'll, it for you. We'll, thinking I've got a whole segment for this. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we
0: will. We will come on to the power rankings. I'm sure because, as usual on the Tuesday, it's caused a little bit of commotion. But I mean, look from my perspective, I think it's one of those as well. If you look at the score at the end, thirty four twenty four, you think, oh, it probably wasn't that bad. But you know, let's let's take the garbage time touchdown away, and and it was a comprehensive beating here, wasn't it? Um, I think for Tampa, look. Let's not overreact. There's probably not too much to worry about. They'll be just fine. I think you know missing JPP on the defensive line, um, obviously didn't help. Um, I don't. There's any doubt about that. I've still got concerns with the rushing game. I mean, let's face it, it's non-existent. The rushing well, there game. There no I mean, rushing game. E- exactly. There I was mean, thirty-five they'd probably
2: yards. It. There was thirty-five yards on the ground.
0: Yeah, and when Tom Brady's your leading rusher, it tells you all that you need to know, really, doesn't it? Um, I think, realistically, they'll be fine because Tom Brady is the quarterback. But, you know, we've talked about teams not being one-dimensional. That is is a bit of a concern, being honest, you know, in a game that they probably needed a little bit more ball control, um, you know, to get that run game going. Um, I, I do think that the Rams are serious contenders. I think Matt Stafford was always a huge upgrade at quarterback. I think when the trade went down, I think that was the instant reaction that the Rams were getting by far the better player in the trade. I don't think there was any doubt about that. Obviously, there was the you know the sort of injury concerns if you like in terms of some of his durability and obviously he's a lot lot older than than Jared Goff but obviously he, he brings with it that experience he's always had a fantastic record in the fourth quarter hasn't he you know he's made a living on that he's been he's been a clutch quarterback when his teams needed him um you know so i think matthew stafford has been a huge huge piece and a massive upgrade into that offense And the defence, to be fair, again, has has probably been the strength of the team for a couple of years now. There were concerns with the pieces that they lost in the secondary. But, you know, they seem to have, you know, not really missed a beat. Let's be honest. I think the defensive line is still dominant. Aaron Donald still looks like probably, you know, the best defender in the National Football League. And there's a few people that want to come and have a go at his crown. and, And, you know, we'll talk about some of those later. Um, you know, but all, all in all, I think the Rams, you know, really do look like a superb team. You know, I would not be at all surprised, though, gents, if we're talking about this game again in January, early February. Um, I still need to, I still need to determine when these conference games are actually taking place, whether they're January or February. This this 17 game season is really playing with me, but um, yeah, these these are two teams that are going to be there in the business end, aren't they? Definitely.
2: Absolutely. I don't think you can, I don't think you can argue that, but I think that what this showed was that the Rams are currently a cut above, you know, at pretty much all levels. They are, they are the cream of the crop. They are definitely, you know, top of my power rankings. And I think that they will remain there for a long time to come. Something, something else lads of which I want to bring up. Didn't it just seem like everything fell into place for them as well? You look at the stadium, You know, it was buzzing. Stafford's out there throwing dimes. The run game was going quite well as well. You know, Deshaun Jackson, of all people, is pulling off 120 yards. It all just flowed so nicely for them. It seemed like nothing would stop them. It just seems like that's going to be the way for the Rams for the entire season. I think it's going to take something really good or really fluky, one or the other, to um to stop them in the rhythm that they've currently got. I'm I'm not saying, you know, here comes something like seventeen and zero, but by the same token, I think that to stop the Rams, you're going to have to have either a really good game or they're going to have to come unstuck against something pretty bad, in order to do that. Um, and this wasn't to take away from Tampa either, you know, Brady still pulled off a of 432 yards from 41 completions. Um, you know, it was only 14 that he missed. Um, it's just the fact that the Rams were in control, and it was, you know, it was pleasant to watch, really.
1: you, you make a really good point, and, and from someone who's lucky enough to watch his team win the Super Bowl recently, it, 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 it I had that same feeling with the Eagles in 2017 when everything just starts clicking and when you, and that might sound quite obvious, but when you sort of, it feels like you're just, every game you go into, you think, yeah, we're going to win this, I'm not even that worried, like, we, I just know we're going to win and you always find ways to win, I remember in week, I think it was week two when the uh, Eagles hit a 61 yard field goal to win the game in, in, in the last dying seconds, like, you find ways to win the game, and and this is what LA are doing, and and they're doing it so far convincingly. Um, and I think on the flip side, in terms of Tampa, if it, you know, we talked last week about the Chiefs and how the Chiefs are so good that you almost have to find sort of ways to pick them apart because they are at the top of the tree; they're so good. Tampa's the same, and I think if there was something they need to start being concerned about, I think it's a secondary. Like, Matt Stafford carved through that secondary like a knife through butter. Like, that Deshaun Jackson touchdown, like, you know, it's great that Deshaun Jackson's doing that. But the guy's 34, and he blew off a 75-yard touchdown run. Like, you, if you want to win the Super Bowl, you can't be allowing that to happen. Hmm. You know, and, and they he racked up easy yards against that secondary. And I think that's, you know, their front seven's obviously elite. We've talked about that in the past. But their secondary, I think, is where they can be got at. And, you know, we're talking fine margins here. We're talking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're Super Bowl champions. You, you know, games are won and lost in these tiny margins. But the, the Rams exploited it. And, uh, you know, and, and look where it got them. I think the Rams, are, like you said, are going to be the team team that they've got an interesting divisional matchup next week you know that's a that's a really tasty game against Arizona Jeez. so that's going to be a real a real contest but you know if if the Rams can come through their divisional games I don't see any reason why the Rams can't go you know like you, you know your 14s your fifteen, your 16s wins a season because they are that good and uh and did you see what um did you see what Matt Stafford said on the Manning cast? The Manning cast is brilliant, by the way. The Monday really night football, is. where they have the two, the two Manning brothers just literally commentating on the game and they get special guests on. They had Matt Stafford on, and Peyton Manning said to him, Winning the division is key to going far in the playoffs, right, Matt? And Matt Stafford just said, I played for Detroit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't think there's anything to worry about, though, if you are tamper, as Cade's put in the comments here, any team, any team that Brady's on only picks up speed halfway through the season. If you think of where the books were at this stage of last year, you know it was very much a learning process trying to get the offence embedded. Yeah, that'll be just fine. You know, I don't think a, a loss to the Rams is going to uh, do much to... Oh, no,
2: no-one's saying that. No-one's saying yeah, that, just go. that there's a, there seems to be a new class in town.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, Brady's risen to many a challenge before, and I'm sure he will uh, rise to this one again. Let's talk about a potential changing of the guard in the AFC West. And of course, we all thought after three weeks, fellas, that the Kansas City Chiefs would be bottom of the division, didn't we? Yes. Um, but it, it was a perfect <laughs> um, perfect day for Los Angeles football as the Chargers win this one on the road, 30 points to 24 Um they were up big early, weren't they? They were up 14. The Chiefs come back and then the Chargers win it late on. Plenty to talk about in this one. Steve, start us off, mate, with your views on this one from the early window.
1: Yeah, this is this was quite a strange uh, result. And, and the Chargers put up more than double their total points in the fourth quarter to, to take the game. And, you know, you, you if you'd said to me the Chiefs would be 1-2 and two to start the season, I'd have said absolutely not absolutely no way um but here we are and and is it evidence that they are they are not invincible and then perhaps you know they they this shows you how and again i'm not i'm not overreacting i'm not trying to say that they're going to go you know 1 and 16 or anything but is this evidence that your your winning window in 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 a um in an nfl sort of franchise's tenure is so small because teams are constantly retooling every year and and getting you know new draft picks new players new contracts all that sort of thing that has has the chiefs window gone so to speak and i know that's a big reaction straight off that i'm not saying it is but you know, they, they looked so uncharacteristic. And, and Patrick Mahomes' t- um, interceptions that he threw, the second one, where he just sort of launched it downfield with, I don't really know, you know, it's, we we joke about the, oh, screw it, Tyreek will be down there somewhere, throws that he throws somewhere. But he was nowhere near the receiver. That was an easy interception for... for um... For LA um and it was you know take nothing away from LA it was a really impressive win Herbert again was just was just efficient um you know he was uh, four touchdowns 281 yards you know just really efficient playing, no interceptions and I think that's going to be key in, in especially in this division this division is going to be so competitive this year Kansas one Kansas are going to find that it's not the cakewalk that it was has been last couple of years certainly not and two um into, uh, turnovers are going to be key because the turnovers cost Kansas City the game there and that could be massive come the end of the season when one or two games will could determine your fate in the, in the in the AFC West
0: yeah, most definitely. I think we talked about it before the game, obviously, last week. We mentioned about Austin Eckler having to have a big day. didn't necessarily transpire that way. Like you say, It was really done off the back of generating turnovers on another exceptionally good performance from Justin Herbert. Um, I know, Josh, that Mike Williams caught your eye in particular. You know, he bagged a couple of touchdown receptions. Let, let's focus on the charges. We talked last week about the Chiefs and we said, you know, I think we're all in agreement the Chiefs are still going to be... You know, some a team that people have to obviously fear come playoff time. Um, you know, let, let's not repeat what we said last week in terms of where some of the shortfalls are. Let's let's talk about the positives of the chargers. This is a team that, if you go back to the end of last season, and they won seven games in a row, um, you know, they really are a hot team at the moment, aren't they?
2: They are, and this game required something different, I feel, from the chargers. This was very defense driven rather than offense driven, um, you know to to go back to, to to go back to our conversation last week in just for a moment you know we said that the defense of Kansas might have been something which they needed to look at they actually played really well on sunday i thought only 352 yards were allowed in total and only 74 on the ground so that shows that there was a real you know, emphasis on the defense, and you know, the, the Chargers had to beef up their own defense in order to win this. You know, the score might have been 30 24, but this was a very defensively driven game, and you can see that from the turnovers you know, two interceptions and two fumbles with two uh, two turnovers in the first two drives, um, you know, for, for the Chiefs, which is which is massive from a Chargers point of view. You know, you're looking to stake your claim in the division and get one over on your big brother that's just been handing down constant L's on you for so long, you know, to be able to punch them in the mouth like that. And realistically, the Chargers let them back in. This should have been way more controlled from a Los Angeles perspective. The Chargers almost charged themselves again. Um, you know, it, it, it was one of those where, you know, you're looking at the score and you're thinking, ooh, well, that's my Aki screwed, you know, early on. And then you check back about half an hour later and you think, Mm, no I don't could be and then we're going to come on to this later what was Brandon Staley doing not kicking the field goal you know at the end you know just wasting the time draining the clock but now that I say that I know exactly why he didn't do it it's because their kickers can't kick Hmm. they would have been much further away if the kickers had just done their bloody job I think they missed two or three kicks didn't they during the day of which would have made it a, a much more sizable margin so, um, no, really well done by the Chargers in the end. The defence definitely stole the show for me, and the offence, being as efficient as it is, you know, we can we can expect efficiency from the Los Angeles Chargers on an offensive point of view, I think. If the defence can give them the ball like that, they'll be just fine.
1: They, the, the Chargers deserve some serious recognition as well, because they... They've come out flying. They should be three and all. They should have beaten the cowboys. So they should. But they they should be three and all. And they are they've got a really interesting matchup next week against the Raiders on Monday Night Football. They've got th- actually three um, tough games coming up: Raiders, Browns, and Ravens. That's three tough Ooh. games. But then then they have a stretch of eight where they could if they play as well as they have been, they could legitimately win all eight. So they go, um, Home to Patriots at Eagles, home to Vikings, home to Steelers at Broncos at Bengals, home to Giants. Difficult one versus the Chiefs uh, at Texans, home to the Broncos. Like take out the Chiefs game and maybe the the Broncos game. Like they're very very winnable games there for the Chargers, and you know don't get try not to get too too hyperball about them, but. You could easily see them going into the last two get, divisional games against the Broncos and the Raiders, looking at, you know, what ten and ten and five, easy yeah. if if they can put a string together of results, um, and and that could, be, you know, then that's when Kansas City's then got to be thinking, wow, like, have we got enough to, to take the the um the FC West? Because I tell you what, it'd be weird if the FC West doesn't run through Arrowhead, really, really weird. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it definitely will be weird, and I think that's the key takeaway from this. None of us writing the Chiefs off at all. Would not be at all surprised if the Chiefs ultimately do still end up winning the division. But I think the big difference this year is it's going to it's going to take a good record and you don't really see both the Chargers well, let's let's include all three. You don't see the Raiders, the Broncos and the Chargers all falling away. You know, there is going to be some competition up there from Whichever of those three sides, and I know those other three are sides that are splitting opinions at the minute. Some people are really high on the Raiders. Some people are really high on the Broncos. Obviously, some people are really high on the Chargers. But I think, you know, between those three teams, there is at least one, if not two, very, very decent football teams there. And, you know, that hasn't necessarily been the case in the division where it's always been a relatively straightforward passage for the Chiefs over the last couple of seasons. I think this this time around, they're going to have to go some. And obviously, on that Chiefs schedule, they've got the Eagles next week you would expect them to take care of business there. Sorry, Steve. But then, then they've got the bills. Then they've got, you know, the Titans coming up. They've got the Packers coming up. They've got the Cowboys coming up. Their schedule, because of being first place, is obviously a much more difficult schedule. So questions for the chiefs to answer. Like I so said, we're not going to repeat everything we said last week. Um, I certainly don't think bringing in Josh Gordon is going to sort the problems out, but we'll touch on that at some other point. Let's talk around then, fellas, some of the other games that caught our eye on Sunday. They were the two that were on Sky, obviously, that we've gone through already. Um, two other games that we'll, we'll touch on in a bit of depth. Minnesota, Seattle. Um, we've talked about Seattle flattering to deceive. Minnesota, that one with a 1-2 record. Kirk Cousins is playing some very, very good football at the minute, isn't he, Josh? Yeah.
2: This is insane. Kirk Cousins' season has arrived. It's taken the best part of half a decade, but we are finally at the point where Kirk Cousins is proving his contract. You know, it's, his, stats were, his stats were great. You know, 30 from 38 for 323 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, on a game of which was really important to their season. You know, M- Minnesota needed this win really if they're if they're to keep the the notion of you know being a playoff team alive because you know they usually say that you know losing the first three is a trapdoor um so you know they 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 really needed it and they came out and they absolutely bombed out in the second half um you know alexander Matteson as well where the hell did he come from you know um brilliant job from the vikings to uh drafting some depth because obviously dalvin cook not being available 112 yards he got and he looked completely seamless he looked great um minnesota i think are actually playing some excellent football at the moment they are unafraid to hit you in the mouth on offense and they do just enough on defense of which realistically that's kind of the dream if you can if you can put up as many points as you need and restrict the other side that's all you need to do in in this game um but can seattle show up in the second half please? you know it's it is hugely annoying i i took the over on seattle um on seattle uh, minnesota and uh, i forgot to take into account that seattle's offense only runs for the first 30 minutes
0: Well, you say 30 minutes and Steve, let's pose the Seattle side of this equation to you. You know, they started off quite well, didn't they? Opening drive, good drive, DK Metcalf seemingly was just all him that first drive. I think Josh was commenting that he'd already sort of scored 14 or 15 fancy points on the first drive of the game. Um, They then added to that with the Jason Myers field goal and then they added the Chris Carson run to basically open up the second quarter. So their first three or four possessions, 17 points on the board. Thereafter, a blank on the scoreboard. This has got to be start to become, if it isn't already, a massive, massive area of concern for this Seahawks team.
1: I I wonder if, you know, we, we, I remember we spoke in the preview, the NFC West preview, me and you, Josh, about Seattle have got like a formula where, you know, when Russ gets going and he gets, gets connecting with Metcalf and Lockett, you know, they, they generally do really well. I wonder if that, because, that is so limited in is he's got two options and they're the ones he usually goes to. I wonder if teams are adjusting mid game and are starting to take that away from him. Um, because they didn't score a single point in the second half for a Seattle team that, you know, I've seen run up some crazy numbers and, and, you know, and, and and put touchdowns on the, on the board on all areas of the field in years gone by, that's unheard of for Seattle. Um, and, yeah, it just it does make you wonder and Russell only got one passing touchdown as well like it's that's again unlike Russell Wilson um and it does make you wonder what's happening in Seattle and and what the answer is you know we we've talked about the whole uh let Russ cook sort of um philosophy and you know they they brought in a new offensive coordinator this year to try and mix it up and let Wilson have more of a say on the offense but you losing to, you know, all due respect to Minnesota, you know, Kirk Cousins is absolutely playing excellent football at the moment, and I will, you know, I'm not a fan of Kirk Cousins, I've made that plain in the past, but he is absolutely um, proving his worth at the moment, and shock, you won't, uh, won't be surprised to know, it's probably because he's in a contract year, his, uh, his cap hit, his <laughs> yeah. cap hit next season is $45 million, there is no Cheat. way that Minnesota is letting him have that cap hit next year, so that's why he's all of a sudden started to show up, because he wants a new contract, he wants a new, absolutely outright Rageous contract for someone to pay him. Um, so you know the the, the Vikings are have, after that disappointing Week One loss have started to turn things around and only narrowly lost last week, um, and and have sort of turned things around again. And, and it makes you wonder now. Seattle have we said last week that Seattle first uh, NFC West team to drop a game, and now they've just dropped another as well. And it's you know it's that that division is so competitive this season, especially when you've got probably the best and another sort of at the moment top five team in, in the NFC in that internally in that division already, it's already a long way back for Seattle. And it makes you wonder what what the, what is the answer? Where do they go? I mean, are they their their run game. Chris Carson, eighty yards from twelve carries, averaged six point seven. You know, he had himself a pretty decent game. Um, so you know, perhaps the Russian Russian attack is not not necessarily the problem. Um, they you know the defense gave up three hundred thirteen yards in the air, three touchdowns, hundred and forty yards on the ground. So maybe the defense has got some questions to answer. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's certainly not rosy in Seattle at the moment, and. Um, you know you look at their um you look at their schedule moving forward after this um they go to the 49ers this weekend um which is not not going to be a um a, an easy game for for a team that took the packers close this weekend the 49ers so you know div- took divisional match and then they've got the rams at home they host the rams and at this point you I don't know if I don't know how Seattle beats the rams
2: no, no i can't say it
0: No, it's definitely, definitely a long way back. I've just been doing a little bit of quick maths and we talk often about time of possession. Time of possession in the second half for the Seahawks, feathers in 30 minutes of football, seven minutes and 20 seconds.
2: Oh, yikes, they actually didn't show up,
0: yeah, so um, to be fair they they didn't show up, I mean Minnesota's drives in the second half, and obviously the thing that Minnesota would to work on is he's, he's converting some of these into touchdowns, but they you know they had drives that covered fifty yards, seventy yards, and eighty eight yards, all ending in field goals, um you know, so they obviously absolutely did drain the clock. Um, you know, but obviously their sort of mission moving forward will be to get it punched into the end zone. Last game that we'll talk on fellas in a bit of depth, is Monday night football. No, it's not Monday night football, Steve, we wouldn't do that to you. We'll talk Sunday night football instead. Let's talk green Bay, San Francisco, a game that came down to the wire. Um, any doubts that we had though about Aaron Rodgers, He probably answered them, didn't he? In the final 40 seconds of Sunday night. Um, Steve, Great game uh, to round out the Sunday night action um, and an important win on the road for Green Bay after their disappointment in week one.
1: Yeah, a real tight one as well. Like it probably closer than I thought it would have been, but you know the San Francisco team shows that they're not going away. Um and and like you said Josh, you know if they can keep players healthy, which they seem to be doing much, with much more success than they did last year, because by this time last year they probably already about 56% of their roster was on IRR. So much. um yeah. <laughs> um they you know they seem to be they seem to be ticking along nicely and, and um, they'd be disappointed that they lost this one. Uh, you just Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter when there's a game on the line you just you don't really want anyone else with the ball in the hand do you you know that that that, we'll talk about it later but that throw he made to Devontae Adams on third and 10 to set up the field goal was sensational you know that's why that's why he makes he causes all the fuss that he does that's why he's you know he's he he's paid as well as he is and he thinks he's worth more than that is because he brings out moments like that and you know this that week one drubbing against the saints um, seems like a distant memory now for this Packers team. And they've really started clicking. Um, and if they can keep this momentum going and, and and this is another interesting thing we talked about um, uh, Seattle just now, and the NFC is starting to heat up a bit. You know, there's some teams in the NFC that are really starting to hit some form um, and, you know, Tampa Bay losing to LA, you know, the, it, it, they might find themselves with a you know with a a difficult run in if they do get into the if when they get into the playoffs um because there's teams there's teams around the nfc that are starting to heat up and i know it's early days we're only three weeks in but you know early early season form can carry you into the playoffs so um yeah but yeah rogers was rogers was sensational
2: yeah but let's let's uh let's not take away the fact that san francisco probably should have won this game um even without taking the 40 seconds into consideration, their O line seems to be their biggest issue at the moment. I'd I'd find. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, he did great, but he only got off just over half of his passes, 25 for 40. Um, he did get sacked four times though. And I think that the the defining moment of this game, even though they did come back, was the fact that you know that, that last sack was the fumble of which uh you know, Then Green Bay were able to take the lead. Obviously, it's time draining off the clock. If if the 49ers punch that in instead, the game's pretty much done at that point. Um, just because you're in control of the clock, you're not chasing the game, Green Bay are chasing the game. And yes, we've seen that Green Bay can obviously do a lot with a little, but you would, um, you would take nothing else into consideration after that point. So, uh, yeah great great game by both teams i thought they both showed that they were that, that that they are top caliber teams it's nice to see the 49ers back into that conversation because they are a great team um i just feel like they uh, they just need to clean some stuff up on the line um and they'll be able to get on from there
0: couple of questions on this that I'll pose then and I'll pose one to each of you. So, Steve, I'll come to you first. Josh just mentioned there about Jimmy Garoppolo and I think the, the difficult thing, to be honest with him, is the mistakes that he does make are, are ones such as that fumble which become highlight material because they are, let's face it, glaringly bad mistakes. Trey Lance came in for one play this week. That one play was a one-yard rushing touchdown which, you know, was quite significant, in my opinion, because it was literally on the halftime whistle. You know, he was the guy trusted. Yes, he's got the bigger body and all the rest of it. I will get that. But there is obviously going to be a clamour amongst San Francisco supporters to see this guy in action. Now, a lot of the rookie quarterbacks are struggling. I think, well, let's face it, all of the rookie quarterbacks are struggling. And we'll probably touch on certainly one of them a little bit later that really struggled in his debut. But how long do you think it will be before Trey Lance gets either a much more significant part of the game plan, if he's not necessarily going to take over, or indeed how long until you actually think he starts seeing the field on a regular basis?
1: I think this is such a weird scenario in, in San Francisco, because it's like it's like they're in some kind of holding pattern waiting for Trey Lance to take over. And what might... Mike, uh, Mike, what Carl Shanahan's doing is is really quite interesting. With just slowly dropping him into plays and slowly giving him touches of the ball at crucial moments as well. Like he's not just giving him like first and ten on you know on the halfway line. He's giving he's giving Trey Lance like important sort of red zone touches to give him that experience. So I find that really interesting. Um, so um, with with when he comes in, I think. It 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 seems like obviously Garoppolo's contract and the fact that they've traded away the entire future of the franchise would suggest that we are just waiting. It is it's not if it's when, um, and I don't know as as long as Garoppolo keeps them in games and keeps playing relatively well, then. I don't think they'll make a snap decision. I I don't think they're like a, you know, like a, a Chicago where they where they're, they don't know who their best quarterback is and and the, the you know Matt Nagy's got absolutely no clue. I think Kyle Shanahan knows exactly what he's doing, and I think he's he's playing this and keeping cars close to the chest because as well by limiting him on the field, not only is he giving him small droplets of experience in his rookie season, but he's also not giving other teams much tape on Dre Lance, and he's also not putting him in the fire, like all of these other rookie quarterbacks are getting, and getting torched alive, so I'm quite impressed with how Shanahan's handling it, I know he's not had much to do yet but um, I think they'll keep doing it like they are at the moment, if he keeps breeding success and he keeps scoring these touchdowns and I think, you know, let's see how this season plays out, but I think next year you could certainly see a change in the guard
0: Interesting. Josh is definitely on the 2022 band. <laughs> um, I
2: really am.
0: <laughs> Josh, you said that the for you, the biggest issue the 49ers had was offensive line. I would probably argue that their biggest issue was probably at corner. Um, I think that's their biggest weakness. And it's not about the 49ers I want to ask you the question. We talked about how Aaron Rodgers had a, another you know, excellent day. But let me just read to you the receptions for Green Bay's receivers. Marquez Scantlin, three receptions. Alan Lazard, one. Robert Tonian, one. Josie De Guerra, never heard of him, but one. Aaron Jones, two. A.J. Dillon, two. Devontae Adams, 12. Devontae Adams was targeted 18 out of Aaron Rodgers' 33 attempts. Surely, surely, teams just need to mark Devontae Adams. I know it's easier said than done, but is this Packers offense very much too reliant on one player for them to really be considered challenges for the ultimate pros.
2: Well, I mean, number one, I'd say you go ahead and stop him then because Devontae Adams is probably one of the, you know, one of, he's, he's got to be top five wide receiver this year, Devontae Adams. And he's definitely the reason as to why whenever I heard Aaron Rodgers crying about the fact that he doesn't have help, and then I see that he's got Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, I'm just there thinking, shut up there are people there are quarterbacks out there begging for literally anything and you've got Adams and Jones um yes you can argue they're a little one-dimensional but you know you look at Valdez Scantling for example there are some games where Valdez Scantling ends up having you know six seven receptions a couple of touchdowns and uh you know basically looks like the prime rec- receiver himself so there is always that back plan. place the fact that they just can't if adams is on it adams is on it um and that's pretty much all you need if you've got if you've got an offensive a hot hand and a hot receiver then you know why change up that plan so i would say i get your point but you know seeing as they've got Seeing as they've got Adams, it's firing well, that's all good. Then they've got Jones if they want to go to the running game. And then there are others around that will do the job for them. It's just the fact that why would you move away from it if it's going well?
0: It's a fair show, mate. We'll see as we get towards the business end of the season. Like I so said, I just think that some of the the better-schemed defensive teams potentially will will sort of look at that as an area that they can potentially exploit but we will see when we get there let's talk some game balls then fellas um we've probably got some to dish out to players that were in games that we haven't necessarily mentioned let's start on the offensive side of the ball airman um, mr tyler in his regular weekly column has given it this week to josh allen so this is a game that we didn't talk about he had a monster day didn't he Five total touchdowns including four through the air against a Washington defence that, dare I say, fellas, was it really massively, massively overhyped? They've given up 40-odd points again this week. Steve, they're in your division, mate. Tell us about it. Have we just completely overrated them?
1: I think, like, we're all just still waiting for them to show up. It's like, we're all just saying, like, is this is this the Washington defense that we were all promised was going to be amazing? Because at the moment they are really not. And like you're looking, even their like their their front four, one of the guys in the group said their front four is still elite, and I don't doubt that. I agree that it is. But at the moment they're not playing like they're elite. You know that front four should be absolutely dominating games, and they should be picking up you know a handful of sacks in a game every time because they're so good. And they're just not. And like the the bills just seem to roll over them, and, and and Josh Allen had his way, and I know obviously you know Allen's in in red hot form at the moment, and you know he, he five touchdowns is is incredible, but this Washington team when when. You know they've already lost their starting quarterback, and you know say what you will about the subtle differences between Fitzpatrick and Heineke, but they needed their defense to show up to drag them through games. At the moment, they're not, Um, and you know when when the NFC East is as volatile as it is. Any one of the four teams could win it. Maybe not the Giants, but any one of the any one of the other three could legitimately make a make a uh, race to win it. And if if they if this defense doesn't sort themselves out soon, they might find themselves in a hole that they can't get out of.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely no sacks at all from that front four. Just in terms of the game ball, Josh. Like I say, it was given to Josh Allen. Any alternatives from you?
2: Yeah. So as you know, I like to put out the poll to see what other people are thinking um mike williams is the guy that a lot of people seem to uh seem to root for 38.5 percent of the vote went to mike williams actually which is quite a lot considering that uh, he didn't end up winning the vote 122 yards and two touchdowns against the chiefs defense um pretty much was the star man in that game outside of Herbert. um just a monster performance really you can't really say too much more more there and then i'm also going to give a bit of a homer picker which wasn't actually in my poll because it was a bit of a homer pick kareem hunt you know he had a great game 155 total scrimmage yards 81 on the ground and 74 through the air you know he 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 put the team on his back when when things were a little dicey uh in cleveland in the first half especially and then he just went off in the second it was a it was a delight to see So, uh, but yeah, Mike Williams getting a lot of love and you can see why.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Still, we will just come back to you. Now we talk more about the Washington defence than we did about offensive player of the week. But uh, any other selections for you or Josh Allen getting the thumbs up from your perspective?
1: I actually was going to go with Josh this week because I thought Mike Williams had a great game, but I think you've got to give a mention to Aaron Rodgers as well. That was an absolutely stellar performance and you know he, uh, he brought that um, Green Bay team back up the field and allowed them to win the game, put them in the position to win the game. So if not Mike Williams, I'd say Aaron Rodgers.
0: Fair shouts indeed. Let's move defensive side of the ball then, fellas. And Steve, as the stat man, you must have loved the amount of stats that came out of this game. I think it's a fairly conclusive winner. We'll wait and see, though. I'll let you fellas have your debate. Won't be any surprise then. I think me and Josh are on board with the selection. Miles Garrett, four and a half sacks against the Chicago team um, that made all sorts of records for all sorts of the wrong reasons. Um, I've watched near enough every... Well, certainly watched every Cleveland NFL game for the last 13 or 14 years. I have never seen a team end up with one net yard of passing offence. One net yard? It is just... One net yard. You almost feel embarrassed that they got that one. It would have almost been better if they didn't have any. Um, But, yeah, one net yard of passing. Four and a half sacks for Garrett. Could have been five and a half. He basically had him in his grasp, but decided to let Jadavian Clowney have the last one. Nine total sacks for Cleveland. I mean, we said, Josh, last week, we were waiting for the Cleveland defence to show up. They obviously had the benefit of a rookie quarterback that wasn't ready. I think that's pretty obvious in the aftermath. Um, so let's take that into consideration a little bit. But with that being said, much, much more like it. Lots of pressure in the quarterback's face. Good tight coverage when the ball did come out. Your man, Jeremiah Awusu koromoa into the starting lineup. I don't think he's going to be sitting out any time again soon. A real, real turnaround for the Cleveland defense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, just just before I start waxing lyrical about how excellent he was and all the rest of it, let me just tell you as to how much time this rookie quarterback had to throw the football, and show you as to why this was not on fields. Actually, does anyone want to proffer a guess? I don't know if you've actually ended up reading the image that I sent around earlier, but just by eyeballing it, would you have had a would you have would you have had a guess? No, zero oh. point seven eight seconds. Didn't even have a second to throw the ball on average that's insane you know he he could be tom brady if tom brady's given 0.78 seconds every time to throw a football he ain't getting that ball out you know it was it was poetry as someone that enjoys a good bit of d-line play it was pure poetry it was heroin into the damn veins it was that good Steve, please take me away.
1: It was it was very much a clinic from the from the Browns' D line, an absolute clinic in pass rushing. Um, and isn't that a franchise record of sacks in one week? Um, yeah, yeah. I think it is a franchise record. So no, that'll. But the thing is, like you know. You you take into account that yes, it was a poor Chicago team and a poor Chicago offensive line, but what it does give you is momentum. I remember last year when the Eagles got eight sacks against the Jets, and yes, it's the Jets, but it's still momentum. Like you go into that next game, and your defensive line will be pumped. You know, I Miles Garrett will be ready to ready to do it again. You know, who have you got next week?
2: Minnesota. Yeah, the Vikings
1: Minnesota. Yeah, so you know, Kirk Cousins is playing well at the moment. They'll wanna to, wanna to shut him up. So you know, I guarantee you that defensive lineup will try and take that into next week. So yeah, if it creates momentum and it gets and it gives you that that defensive spark that you need. Then you know, there you go. That's it. You found it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He, uh, he certainly made Jason Peters look like an old man eventually on the left-hand side of the uh, offensive line. Any other shout-outs for Defensive Player of the Week, fellas? I think we're all probably in agreement that it is Miles Garrett overall, but any other players you want to shout-out, Steve?
1: I, it, it pains me to have to do this. It really does. But I, I've got to say Trayvon Diggs. Having watched mm. the game last night, he was sensational. He had a great he was game really, last night. really, good. good. Um, he was absolutely shut down. He, uh, the, the Eagles could get absolutely nothing against him. Every time they went to him, he was shut down. And he got a pick six as well. So, you know, Trayvon Diggs looks the real deal. And I think there was a lot of, last season, I think there was some question marks about whether or not he had it. But I think he definitely does. And Dallas have found themselves a real talented corner there.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Three passes defended, uh, two tackles, and like you said, the pick six that he returned 59 yards. I think it's safe to say, fellas, we've got Cade watching along tonight on YouTube. He was definitely a Cowboys fan, because I think he's appreciating that show. <laughs> so, fair play, Steve. You can recognise
2: great. We get it, Paige, You're a Cowboys fan. I'm,
1: I'm an Eagles fan as well, Cade, so I hope you appreciate that. Indeed, you know how much maybe. pain that caused me to <laughs> say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, right, fellas, let's... Let's go, coach. Sean's gone with Brandon Staley. We kind of touched on this sort of during the review and I think all's well that ends well. And, you know, ultimately, I think we all massively loved the fact that he got the balls to go for it. Um, You know, let's be honest. I mean, it is the way to do it. You know, I love seeing coaches that play to win. Um, you know, and that's essentially what he did. And like I say, it did work out well. We'd have been potentially having a very different conversation if the Chiefs had had gone down the field and scored a touchdown and kicked the extra point to win the game. But all's well that ends well, I guess. And certainly, I think he, amongst all of the rookie head coaches, is certainly the standout in the early part of the season. I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. I think I've been very, very impressed with him on the sidelines. Any alternative shouts from you two boys, Josh?
2: Uh, yeah, the, the well, Sean McVeigh simply for, you know, coaching a cl- clinic in terms of uh, his game plan for the Bucks. I, um, like, like I said, it was just so fluid and that really only comes from Sean McVeigh. And the one thing that I really loved at halftime, just knowing that he had the lead going into halftime, he's celebrating like he's already won the game because he knows, he knows that the Rams are all about that second half defense. So, yeah, Sean McVay's up there, but Brandon Staley, you know, he's got to be coach of the year at this point. Uh, I think that that's not going to go away for a long time.
1: Steve. In another in another painful bring up for me, uh, this time it's not Dallas, but a man who I've never understood the hire of, but I've got to give him his props because his team is three and and0 It's the Mister One Hundred Million Dollar Man himself, John Gruden. The Raiders are three and and0 The Raiders, like They're tied you know, to they... the Dolphins. They beat that, you know. They say what you will. They beat the Dolphins, and they are three and zero. So you know, and three—you'd probably say three relatively tough games for a Raiders side, anyway. Um, so you know, John Gruden has got them playing. That Derek Carr looks good. They're playing well as a team. They're they're getting, to spreading the ball around. Their receivers, they're, I think there was uh, six different receivers with five five receptions or more. So you know they're 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 spreading the receipt they're spreading the ball around an awful lot. So yeah, I'd say as much as it pains me, John Gruden.
2: I, Go on, John. I I have to say that as much as I am high on the Raiders at the moment, as you guys tried to bring me down a little last week. I do feel like the performance on Sunday brought me down a bit more to earth. You know, Miami were playing with, you know, they're they're playing with the second string quarterback. They are up. And realistically, the Dolphins lost the game. The Dolphins lost the game rather than the other way around. What on earth are you doing throwing a wide receiver screen inside your own end zone? That lost the game for me. As soon as that happened, I went, well, the Raiders are going to win this now (laughs) because the tide's turned. It's 14-2. and They're going to start getting feeling that like they can get back into the game, and lo and behold, oh sorry, fourteen and five, I think it was, and lo and behold, they went and did it. So uh, yeah, I I don't think I can put that on coach as much as I can. Just uh, the other coach calling a terrible play.
0: Talking of plays, let's talk about good plays. Um, it would be it would be silly of us not to mention it. Feathers, a record-breaking. Heartbreaking. I'm going to say heartbreaking. I was yep. gutted. A 68-yard uh, field goal from
2: 66. Don't don't give him the sorry, satisfaction. Sorry,
0: six, sorry, 66. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It was it was Matt Prater that tried it from 68, wasn't it? But yeah, that uh, was. Well, um, that's
2: the other one we'll bring up.
0: We'll bring that one up definitely. But yeah, Justin Tucker's 66-yarder doink off the crossbar and into the kicking net. Um, we might talk about the gaff of the week after that obviously preceded it, which obviously would have made it null and void. But let's take it in the context of it in itself. Um, I've got to say, fellas, I wrote a lot of the previews for the full 10-yard season guide. And I think there's a little section in there about Justin Tucker. And I think there's a little section in there, fellas, about him breaking the NFL record this year. Now, if that isn't <laughs> the greatest prediction ever written, I don't know what is. That's a record that stood the test of time. And Matt Pray had had the record for quite some time, but now it's now sitting with Justin Tucker, 66 yards feathers. I mean, it's just ridiculous what this guy can do, isn't it?
2: You were there cuddling your book, weren't you, earlier on when you read that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I could just
2: imagine you there with your little books. Like, That's right, I wrote that. No, that was the only comfort
0: a... I got from that player, Josh. Give me something, <laughs> give me something.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can give you that. Look, Justin Tucker he is probably the greatest all-time as a kicker. You know, um, that there are others up there, but I do feel like he is a cut above, and to be honest with you, he, he deserves the record, you know, for, for what he has done for the kicking game in the NFL. He is a cut above, and you know, game, you know, as much as I don't like the Ravens, Tucker is one of those which you just drop and go, You know what, that was a gorgeous kick, should never have happened, and I hate the fact that you did it in this moment, but. My God, that's uh, that's a great kick, and there's not really too much more you can dig into it. It was just a great kicker, which he knew. Did, have you seen like the angle from behind where you can see the kicker's reaction immediately? He's actually yeah. running off celebrating it like he's bloody Cristiano Ronaldo before it's even doinked off the crossbar. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. What's
2: crazy is he
1: snapped his streak earlier in the game as well. He missed a field goal earlier in the game and snapped his, like, was it something like 30-odd consecutive field goals that he'd made or something like that. That's right, yeah. And he he missed a field goal earlier in the game, and he must have got angry and be like, right, I ain't missing this one. And it's just the audacity to try from that distance. And do you know what? I've, you've got to feel so sorry for the Lions because the Lions so far this year have played real hard. And, you know, then I don't think they're they're like the worst team in the league by a long stretch. I think they've, you know, they've, they've shown some good stuff and, you know, they've got their limitations, but they've, they're playing well. And, you know, they've, they've got a, a decent young new coach in there and yet they're still on three. And that's what they have to succumb to. It looked like they were going to beat the Ravens and it was going to be a monster win. And then Justin Tucker does that. Oh, yeah. what a game.
0: Crazy stuff. But let's mention the other play that obviously stands out, and that is the the return of a attempted 68-yard field goal. So Matt Pratt had lined one up from 68 yards for the Cardinals in Jacksonville. That one fell short. And for the second week running, the Jags had a huge return. Tied, I believe, for the longest play in NFL history. Obviously, at 109 yards, Jamal Agnew. I mean, guys, this this is a real weapon that the Jags have got here. It's a shame that the return game is so minimal these days because he really is a difference maker, isn't he?
2: I'll give sorry, it to either of you. Sorry, we on me. I'll give it to either of you my connection completely locked out there. Yeah, fan, just just a fantastic return. This guy knows how to return kicks. And it's so evident. It might be the only way that Jacksonville score meaningful points this year, but um, it's just so exciting to watch. And if he can, if he can produce this week after week, you know, he, he definitely looks like a Devin Hester, Josh Cribs type. that you can yeah. just identify gaps and go for it every single time, even if it just puts them in great field position because hell Lawrence needs it. Uh, he's not getting any help from anybody else. So, you know, it's, it's great to see that they've got someone that can at least give the fans a bit of something you know if you can if you can look go look we're not going to win most of our games if all of our games but you're going to get entertained along the way just sit in your little pitch side pools and enjoy it you know I think the... I think that I think that will probably be enough for them at this point point. and you know it, it, it's great entertainment value
1: the absolute best thing about that play is the commentary team. Oh yeah. The commentary team go absolutely wild. So if you haven't seen it, just watch a clip of of Agnew's return touchdown. 109 yards, which I think is the only the third time it's ever been done, the longest distance you can go in the NFL for a touchdown, and the commentary team go wild. It's worth it just for that alone.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. The only regret is it wasn't Kevin Harlan on the call. But yeah, Gus Johnson did a brilliant job, to be fair to him. Let's talk then, fellas, calf of the Week. We've talked about the uh, Justin Tucker play. So we'll we'll come to the controversy surrounding it in a minute. But I, I've got to be honest, Sean's course, I'll put this one up in the article. But this, for me, is absolutely brilliant. The official throwing his flag and actually hitting the ball with his flag. Oh, yeah. Have you ever uh... seen anything like it? Absolutely um... phenomenal.
2: And it was still given as a muff punt. Exactly. Brilliant. I don't, I don't, it, I don't, I don't it, it, understand how. How does that not get fixed? And when you
1: when you watch it in in slow motion, it legitimately affects the trajectory of the ball yeah. and, and causes him to fumble it because of the, the, the flag hitting the ball. I've never heard of that ever.
2: <laughs> no, there, there, in fact, true. there is something interesting. If you do um, just do a Google search of, you know... Um, you know, flags affecting players or affecting games, etc. There's quite a lot of, like, almost flag violence from refs where it's caused, like, all sorts of issues. I actually think that some guy lost an eye from someone... uh, (laughs) from a ref throwing a flag. So, uh, yeah... Stuff happens when it comes to flags, <laughs> but it was just nice and comical just to see it ever so slightly give the ball. It was great. I do like that. It's a bit of comic relief that we all need on a Sunday.
1: On on the topic of gas is probably a good time to bring it up, actually. If if you haven't seen it, I'm going to ask you two a question. How many penalties do you think the Philadelphia Eagles have, have th- through three games?
2: I've seen the stats, so I'll let You've Sean the answer it.
0: In, in, in total across the three ga- well, it's gotta games it's got to be a huge amount for you to even bring it up I'm going to go for something crazy like 37
1: they have 35 penalties through Ooh, three not games bad. Not bad. Not the, bad. that is the t- joint 10th highest in NFL history through three games uh, the most penalties in a season is 163 by the Raiders in 2011 if the Eagles keep on going like they are, they will get 198 <laughs> <laughs> the discipline I'm sure. shows no bounds.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they will clean it up, mate. Let's very quickly touch on the, the gap of the week, though, that Sean's put in the play. We just mentioned Justin Tucker's field goal, and it really sounds like sour grapes. And that's the thing that I hate about this. It sounds like sour grapes, but, you know, take the two teams out. It could have been anybody against anybody. I just hate it when a blatant officiating call isn't called and it has a monumental impact on the game. You know, it was, you know, Seven seconds left on the game clock. Baltimore had got no timeouts. So just to sort of actually clarify this, because I have double-checked this, the delay of game would have resulted in the end of game because it would have been a 10-second runoff. So anybody thinking it would have been a 71-yard attempt or a last-minute Hail Mary, it was actually should have been a runoff because the ball
2: It wasn't live. Was it not live? live? No, it wasn't live. Was it not Um... live?
0: Oh, he spiked I I, it, didn't he? Yeah, spiked he spiked
2: them. it, and then they ran a play. So they would have kept it. It Would have just had to have been a seventy-one, 71 yard, yard attempt. Of of and he wasn't attempting
0: it against. from seventy-one yards, was he? Let's be honest. Surely no, he wasn't. I don't, I don't from think 71. he was.
2: There's there's a number of things of which they've said about this. So immediately after they, uh, the official on the field, um, said, "Look, the back judge is in charge of that. I received nothing from the back judge. Therefore, it stands." But for those saying, well, maybe it's different to that on the stadium clock. Well, if you actually if you actually watch it, and I, I am one of these sticklers for watching officials as uh, plays go on, there's no bumping of the clock. There's no anything yeah. like that. And you can watch all 40 seconds tick down from the end of the play. It goes off at about 43. I think he eventually gets the ball off. There's, there's no reason for it. And I think it, you know, when you think of it as a Detroit Lions fan, currently, you know, you're about to beat the Baltimore Ravens and deservedly. So, I mean, the lions played brilliantly, you know, they, they really restricted the, the Raven. They, they, they came out with a brilliant game plan and they were outdone by terrible defense on a fourth and 19 and then just terrible bad luck with officiating and the fact that you're facing the goat kicker of all time. So yeah, unfortunate, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to go with the flag gaff as my gaff of the week. Is uh, a gaff needs to be slightly comical.
0: Yeah, I did love the flag gaff. I'm I'm with you on that one. I did love that one. Right, fellas, I'm conscious of time because we have rattled on for a good 58 minutes already about week three. But it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't mention the power rankings. They've already had a little preview on Twitter. I think everyone's in agreement, aren't they, Josh, that with your rankings this week, that seems to be generally the consensus. I think not. Um, Um,
2: um, I don't think you ever get consensus on Twitter. Uh, I think that's that's simply a myth. I I feel like I've gotten away with a lot more than I I, uh, thought I would, though. There's been some movers and shakers this week. I think that there's only, only two teams that haven't moved at least one spot this week. In fact, as I look through it, only one team hasn't moved, and that's the New Orleans Saints at 19. Everyone else has moved. Um, the biggest rises: the Chargers are now up 7 to 5th. Uh, the Vikings are up 10 to 15. The Broncos and Bengals are both up 6. So the Broncos are now on in the top half, 16, and the Bengals are at 18. Uh, biggest fallers, the Chiefs are down 5 to 7. Uh, the Ravens and Colts are both down four. The Ravens are now eighth, and the Colts are down to 17th, and the Steelers are down eight to 24. Now, I know what you're going to say straight away. Oh, Josh, the Ravens won the game and they've gone down four places. How can you possibly do that? They practically lost to the Detroit Lions. We've just spoken about the fact that they shouldn't even have had the chance to kick that field goal. They they lost to the Lions in all but name. Um, New top 10, Rams top. I feel like it's now deserved. I think that we've spoken a lot about the fact that the Rams are now the coup de grace of the league. The Bills now up into second. Sean's prediction about Josh Allen falling off a cliff and never being seen in the state of New York again have uh, (laughs) been quietened down for a bit. Uh, The Bucks maintain third. I've bumped the Browns up to fourth uh, simply because of the fact that the defense seems to have finally arrived and the offense will do its job. I I do feel like Kansas City got away with a fast one in week one now. Uh, The Chargers up to fifth, as we've said. The Seahawks end up moving up simply because others have moved down. It's not been a case of actually bumping them up. But they've gone to six. The Chiefs are in seven. Ravens in eight. Packers, nine. They've moved down simply because of the charges and the bills going up. And the Titans in ten. Um, what are your thoughts, lads? I know there's a couple of uh, of movers there which you don't necessarily like from our conversation earlier.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll give some instant reaction. Should say, as always with this, Josh will put his full sort of explanation up on the website tomorrow so you can check out all the logic and the reasoning. I know we've already had a fair lot of interaction, and that's great. We want to hear it. We want to see it. We want to argue with, with you. Absolutely. That's what this is all about. It's all about opinion. Steve, I'll get you to, very quickly, give us 30 seconds, snap reaction to the power rankings, what's right, what's wrong.
1: Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are the worst record in the NFC West and yet are the second highest team in sixth somehow um, the Arizona Cardinals are still not in the top 10 despite the fact they're 3-0 and and Kyler Murray is playing MVP level. they almost lost to the Jets. Min- hang on I've got 30 seconds the Minnesota Vikings went up 10 places for winning one game nah I'm not having that the Indianapolis Colts are and 3 yet the Panthers are 3-0 and the Colts are 17th and the Panthers are 22nd like you, you talk a lot your favourite say your favorite saying is they practically lost the game but they didn't lose the game
2: they i'm sorry i'm sorry so and um, so by that logic am i supposed to give credit to the ravens for practically for essentially in all but a piece of luck losing to the detroit lions
1: but if the ravens end up let's say 14 and 3 right yeah. we're not going to remember the early game that they almost lost because they won it the NFL is all about winning games
2: yeah but it doesn't you know? mean that it doesn't mean that there's power behind it i can, I can still think they're crap even though they get good games.
0: I think the beauty of this, fellas, is as we, you know, we three get on, we three have a good rattle about this every week, and even we can't agree. So there's no way we're going to get consensus. That's what I say. Give us your opinions. Tell Josh where he's right, wrong, and indifferent. The one thing I will give him credit for, he can always back up his arguments, whether you agree with his logic or not. He will Sean have a reason doesn't reasons. like arguing.
2: the mate. when there's arguing parents. Person. He's the kid in the, in the room just going, please stop fighting.
0: Absolutely, mate. I,
2: Look, we've wish... got to
0: be like that, for what it's worth, Seattle are way too high. Carolina, Carolina are way too low. I'm I'm not having the Vikings up ten places off the back of one victory. There's plenty of holes I could can, pull in it. Can, but, can I know.
2: address the Panthers just just because you've both brought very it quickly, up. very quickly. They they have played the 31st str- uh, strongest schedule so far. I do not award three and in the same way as I do other three and Os with that. I They've understand got your to, to be a better team to jump up there. Because right now, I'd have the Dolphins beating the Panthers. I'd have the Saints beating the Panthers, even though they didn't. Uh, I'd have the Bengals beating the Panthers. I'd have the Colts beating the Panthers. Would you I like think a spade to continue to dig yourself <laughs> into that hole, George. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I wish That's... I would just end it on this. I wish the Giants could be lower than 28th. I
2: just. Yeah, I know. <laughs> going... <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some,
0: somebody did already comment on Twitter that even the Jets were too high at thirty seconds. So there you yeah, go. Like yeah, I say, we so... certainly <laughs> won't, we certainly won't get consensus, will we? So, like so, bring it on. Let's have an argument. Let's have a chat about it. That's what it's all about. We will be back on Thursday to bring you all of the previews for Week Four's action, fellas. It's been a blast as always. Until next time, catch you all again on the Full Ten Yards NFL Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are. Hashtag for the game.